We get live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 148. I'm Adam Perez, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. Not joining us tonight is Kyle Carr, who is doing goat-level husband stuff tonight, but I am thrilled to be joined by Riley Feldman. Riley, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. The weather has been beautiful for two days in St. Paul. We got about... um, I don't know, like 13 inches of snow this past week. So after digging ourselves out, it's been really nice and sunny the past couple of days. I went to the local area, Dave and Buster's uh, last night. So, um, you know, I essentially watched the game from my bed today, recovering from the <laughs> frivolity had last night. Um, and uh, otherwise, things are cool by me. How about you? I went to, I, get, I, I don't know, maybe this is like somewhat the equivalent as I get older. I went to the visit a friend in the suburbs last night. Um, sort of like, you know, my version of David Buster's now that I have a kid. So that, but that was enjoyable. I hadn't seen them in a while. So that was, that was good. And uh, I've had a good couple of weeks off from the podcast. You guys have been holding it down. I was in San Francisco. That was fun. Uh, I don't know. It was great. It was great. California was really nice. It's kind of ridiculous what the weather is like over there. Um, but it's been, you know, Pretty sunny skies in Milwaukee as well, especially on this Sunday as we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Phoenix Suns. Normally we'll go through some other stuff, but we're going to inverted pyramid this and go with the Phoenix win today. Bucks win 104-101, sort of a level set at the beginning. Giannis is out, but KD obviously hasn't started yet for the Suns. So you feel like, okay, well, it's relatively even on both sides. They're both missing their superstars. How much to take away from it for the eventual playoffs? You know, we'll see. But I think you said it best, Riley, when we were talking before. You were like, yeah, this felt like a Bucks suns playoff game. When it came down to the wire in there, like those last five, six minutes were just what we expected after the, the finals performances a couple years ago. It's the perfect, unstoppable force, immovable objects. You know, we score on them. We can't stop DeAndre Ayton no matter what we do. He'll, he's going to go for like 30 just because just he's out there. And then it's going to get close at the end. And then Devin Booker's going to run into 30 bucks and just cough the ball up over and over again. It was <laughs> beat for beat. The only thing missing was literally Giannis being on the floor. For some of the possessions, the step for step of Booker driving into Drew and then into maybe Jay Crowder and then like trying to force up a shot or I was like, Oh, here comes the oop again. Here comes the Valley oop. Um, (laughs) I appreciated it because marquee game noon on a Sunday, everything was in the cards for this game to be horrible. And to be fair, the second quarter was horrible. (laughs) Everything. It took 15 minutes. The first minute of in-game action took about 15 minutes because the monitor (laughs) on the side or on the, uh, sideline was broken, of course. Classic Milwaukee stuff. We got like some monitor from the <laughs> 1990s. Um, once that was resolved, though, uh, most of the game pretty exciting. Uh, Suns kind of take the lead, push it out. I want to say like eight points, I believe, was their largest lead with about five or so minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, and we clawed our way back. Uh, Drew turned things on. He was, he was kind of all over the place, um, both good and bad. 
and the thing that drove home or the thing I would say they hung their hat on was uh, the defensive possessions down late, uh, especially because the Suns seem to have gotten into a groove, especially with the DeAndre Ayton, uh, Devin Booker pick and rolls where it's just like four or five possessions in a row, just clean looks each and every time down for DeAndre Ayton. Call a timeout, switch it up. We start smacking him every time he gets the ball and things kind of just turned from there. So individual defense across the board was great. Um, team defense, obviously, Coach Budenholzer uh, calling the right timeout, calling up the right schemes, everything. Really enjoyable. And obviously getting the win is a, a plus on top of all of that. But I, I liked it a lot. It was the most fun I've had watching a regular season game. It, of the 14, this is probably the most satisfying or most entertaining of the 14 win streak that we're currently on right now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some set. The Giannis thing kind of, uh, made the heat heat win be a little uh, a little less uh, satisfying, but I really do enjoy beating the doors off that team. But I think you're right from start to from start to finish. Sands that second quarter, which was an abomination. Bucks really uh, looked like the you know the, they looked like pretty even. Although I would say going in, I think this this is kind of the interesting thing about this team now. When I'm looking at the Bucks, maybe it's because I know and they have veterans and I tend to trust those people more, but like when I'm watching them face off against Josh Akogi for the Suns or Tory Craig or some of these others, I, I didn't even know who – I apologize. I didn't know who number 12 was. I think it's Ian Wainwright. I've, I, he's been fine for them. Like Terrence Ross. All of these guys, I'm like, man, the Bucks. I think have are most of the backups are better than who I think the Suns are using for backups right now. So I, I went into it kind of thinking, okay, well, I think, I think the Bucks should probably win and obviously – you know, they're going to struggle offensively and, you know, they hung their hat on defense at the end, like you said, but I mean, Drew Holiday, 33 points on 22 shots, which is awesome. And then also had five assists and just one turnover, which was critical for him, him. And I thought Brooke Lopez were basically the offensive fulcrums for the team. And Brooke had one of the key shots late, obviously. And that part of it's felt like it did play out a little bit like the uh, playoff series where the Bucks' size could overwhelm the Suns a little bit inside, even without Giannis. And Brooke was a huge part of that all the way through, added on four blocks. And you could tell how much the Bucks missed him when they were playing with either just Myers Leonard, which thankfully was only five minutes, or just Bobby Portis on the floor. Brooke had a leap to block DeAndre Aiden late in the fourth. I didn't know he had hops like that still. I was like, what what is Suki Hobson feeding this man? Because he got, he went up so high to block the DeAndre Ayton jumper. Um he was excellent. And not just him, but this is an interesting experiment, like you're saying, because the Suns are obviously featured two smaller guards as like fulcrums of the offense. We ran out a lot of lineups where it was like Bobby, Jay, Joe Ingles, uh I don't know if the Chris drew, if that five had a lot of minutes, but like that lineup would get some run or even just those three first forwards would get some run. They put Jay Crowder on the guards like a lot, like they switched him over like, okay, go for it. And he might not have had the first step to like stay with them, but he could knock them a little off course. And then, uh, you know, obviously kind of stay in the way to interfere with the pick and roll attempt, whatever they're doing. Um, so Brooke obviously does a wonderful job kind of playing the in-between space, but I thought it was a good test run for how far could a bigger lineup, which is what we 
used a lot of um, in previous seasons or like in previous playoff runs. If we did a bigger lineup, how successful would that be? Early returns, you know, it's just one game, but they didn't get burned. It's not like we were getting absolutely dominated until the eight and a little bit, but we switched it up quick enough and then that was fine. Um, So super early returns for big lineups seems promising. And the more we run through backup big men, now it's Myers Leonard. We now we the evidence piles up further and further that you can't just get some seven foot dingus off the street and say, <laughs> go do what Brooke does. The like <laughs> now Myers Leonard has been out of the league for over two years, so it's a little bit different. He's you know out of practice, but just the feel in trying to do a zone drop defense, not there, not there whatsoever. And that's that's like the case with how many big men have we run through now where it's like, well, maybe he'll do it. Nope, he can't do it. Maybe he'll do it. He can't do it. So, um, yes, credit to Burke because he continues to be the anchor. If he's not out there, things get dicey pretty quick. But I like the fact that we were able to run big with him, bunch of the forwards, and it succeeded. Like, for the most part, it seemed to be a success, defensively especially. Yeah, I mean, he has the most minutes on the night, which is wild, but has been the case for some games this year. Yeah, the the big lineups was interesting. So I, I noted... That, yeah, there was Holiday, Middleton, Crowder, Ingles, Brook for a lot of the crucial minutes down the stretch. And very fascinating to see how that's going to work out because I, I wanted to see how Crowder would work on the guards, like you said. You could see Drew was guarding Booker coming down and they had Crowder on a Kogi initially and then they would just go immediately to the switch. It was funny because... Early, like in the fourth quarter, there was a possession where Crowder was guarding Booker way up, way up by half court and waiting to try and pressure him up at that point. I was kind of surprised he was up that high. But anyway, Booker just absolutely cooked him and got to the rim. He didn't end up making the shot, but DeAndre Ayton, I think, had the tip in there. But it wasn't close. And like you said, he didn't quite have the first step to stay in front of him. But at some of the later possessions, you could see him, at least on one of them, switch with Drew. He pushes Booker really hard to the left. And he gets beat by one step at least, but he's able to go back, get a little physical pressure him, and Booker tries to pass back out to a Kogi. Drew is guarding the passing lane, turnover. Another possession later, you saw him pressuring really hard up at the three-point line, forcing Booker to have to go left, have to go left. There's a sideline there. Booker pulls up for a really hard triple that clangs off there. So initial returns, basically, if we're looking for him to be P.J. Light, right? He definitely does not have the quick foot speed that I think Tucker had to stay in front of people. Although I, I will say if you go back and watch a lot of the games, it's not like Tucker was staying completely in front of Devin Booker. Like there's, there's a reason he kind of had a step on him and would have been able to make the shot if Drew hadn't gone in and stolen that one. And that led to the lob. But I mean, Crowder, being able to potentially take on those guards, that's huge, especially because I'm starting to have some smaller questions about Joe Ingles uh, being able to take on those assignments when he's not guarding like 38 year old Chris Paul trying to take him off the dribble. Yeah. Unless Joe is guarding directly other geriatrics, you just kind of <laughs> like, well, we'll see. He did. He's had, he'll have a, the occasional possession, which mm-hmm. you're like, this is, doesn't make any sort of sense whatsoever. And we cannot rely on this repeating, but for this one single possession, it worked out just fine. Um, but yeah, there's only so much like craftiness can get now. <laughs> he did get a turnover on Chris Paul off of just like 
really exaggerating the the ass bump, which yeah. uh, you know I mean, that's, that's a veteran move. That's part of his arsenal. But in terms of like on ball defense, <laughs> it's so funny. Anytime some sort of contact comes, he'll be so uh, theatrical about like the contact to try and sell it. I'm like, hey, you got to focus in a little bit here, Joe. Um, so I, I tend to echo your concerns. I you you wonder is it okay to have, if he's the only net negative defender on the floor, are you able to survive with that out there? Are you able to like hide him sufficiently? And I, obviously it's a little bit different because Giannis was out there. We'd have to see what kind of lineup formations that Budenholzer comes up with that. Um, but yes, the the short flash in a pan, maybe Joe Ingles can defend. I think we're, we're, beyond, we're beyond those rose tinted days, unfortunately. The, uh, yeah, watching the Boston game uh, put me... Uh, Put some put up. I would say through quite a bit of cold water on on some of my beliefs for what Joe Ingles might be able to do there. But uh, going back to Crowder, because I, I you guys talked a lot about him on the last episode. I think you were you seemed very in favor of it, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, that all, all you need to see were these last two games to be like, yeah. I, I mean, like, why wouldn't we give up a bunch of garbage for a guy that you feel like, okay, yep, you can plug this guy in when you have a lot of people that you, that I think are question marks. I mean, Jay Crowder played more minutes than Bobby Portis against the Phoenix Suns today. They didn't have Kevin Durant and Giannis wasn't playing. Um, I Like, I think that tells you all you need to know about the fact that the Bucks have more optionality now and they have a guy that you feel good enough about playing, even if they're, you know, he's going to have some question marks and he'll have issues against teams, but the just having that guy that you feel okay this this guy's good to go is worth its weight in gold and i it, it makes all the sense in the world that they should have brought him in i think two thumbs up off of two games if if we're weighing player careers off of two games this might be one of the best bucks debuts of all time uh, <laughs> <laughs> um one He's actually built like a, a for real oak tree. He looks like a box from his shoulders straight down. It's just solid muscle. So I would not want to deal with that. I like what he brings on defense. I just I appreciate how much he's willing to throw down in the paint. It's like Wes Matthews. If Wes Matthews was like added another 30 pounds of muscle and just like, OK, go down there and just fist fight with everybody. Um, the other upside, if we're going to continue to compare the PJ role, which I'm sure there are some people who roll their eyes at that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it would be nice to have a player kind of like PJ Tucker. Yeah. Like it's, it's not necessarily like a lament, like, Oh my God, worst decision in the world to let PJ go. But if you could have a PJ on the team, like it's not a bad thing to have a guy like that. Um, so while he might not be as adept at guarding guards as PJ, I think he's able to do enough. I like the optionality there. Also feels like he might actually do something on offense, at least shooting from three. Whereas PJ, that was just not happening anywhere. And part of that was him understanding his assignment. Um, but through whatever, just two games, but you're like, okay, you, they're like critical threes. We go back to back possessions to you. He hits both of them, like no problem at all. That's a little different from what the PJ experience was. So uh, a lot of games still left to play, but I like the fact that um he's just another another option in the forward group because i think we can mix and match a lot of those guys with the big three depending with with those guys and brooke um 
and then a couple of the guards. You have a lot of different ways you can go depending on what the threat is. And I think that's just the main thing. Maybe he won't be effective in every matchup. Um, maybe you need more scoring. Maybe you need more like playmaking. Maybe Javon Carter is going to get the old, uh, you know, <laughs> pulled off the stage and we need somebody to bring the ball up the court. So Joe Ingles, like you understand where these guys can all fit. And um, yes, like any concerns about Jay Crowder's fitness, anything like that totally out the window he seems ready to go so I, I think it's been a really good solid first two games for him yeah for sure and like you said lots of games to go but I mean he had an entry pass to Brooke early in the Suns game where Brooke was like low on the block had his hands up and it was like why can no one else make that pass to him when his hand when he's like seven foot three and his hands are way high I Jay, he hasn't, Jay hasn't been in a Bucks uniform long enough to lose that ability. He's like, I know, he's like, I I know how to say, do this. And he's hitting too many threes uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. too. I'm waiting. I'm absolutely waiting for the drop off. I see the guy make two threes. I'm like, when's it coming? When's the when's the O for 15 streak coming? Because it is coming at some point. That was the, that's the other reason I was pretty in favor of it is it's just like, I have very strong doubts about this team being able to win offensively at a level much higher than they did in the playoffs when they won their championship, which is fine. Like they've clearly tried to make some moves, but I, I really think when it comes down to it, I mean, even this game, the offensive rating wasn't that good for them. It was, it was fine, but like the number of great. clown car possessions we have where it's like, we'll have occasional moments of like, wow, that was some great passing. Most of the time, like, we have no idea what we're doing out there right now. And we just have to, and a credit to the team. They said, okay, we, they acknowledge that they're not a good offensive team. So it's like, let's just get more dudes to play defense. That'll, that'll be good for us. Yeah. And I mean, the, obviously there was no Giannis today. Like That's the true. second quarter was proof of like, th- there were a lot of quarters like that second quarter during the championship run that, you just needed Giannis would just score like 12 or 13 points on his own. And that was basically how you were able to get through those awful spells. So they'll have that. And to their credit, I mean, if you look at their four, this is just during their 14 game winning streak. So no crap. The numbers are good, but they have on cleaning the glass, 119.5 points per hundred possessions, which if you rated it out for the, which is ninth over that span. But if you rate it out over the whole league year, um, it's technically better than the uh, than the Sacramento's league leading mark. So they've been good during this stretch. Obviously, they've been you know hitting their threes and that kind of stuff. At the same time, their defense has, has been the tops in the league during that whole time too, one hundred five point six. So you're st- you're starting to see as they're at full strength here. You know, for a long time this year, the net rating was kind of middle of the pack. They were actually kind of like overperforming expectations, but that's catching up to it. They're like fourth in the league in terms of cleaning the glass. I think in terms of net rating now, if I look over the whole year. Yeah. So, you know, the buck, you know, spoiler alert, bucks are really good. They looked really good against the Suns. What did you think about, um, I don't know any other rotational stuff. I mean, Pat probably played a few minutes cause he was coming off the injury. Grayson got a lot of minutes, maybe because Pat couldn't play, but I don't know. Javon also got a lot of minutes. So any other like rotational things that you thought were interesting? Um, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Are people starting to do the, should Chris come off the bench permanently? I mean, it wasn't a great game. (laughs) I don't really know. Um, I thought Chris looks like athletic. (laughs) He didn't convert a lot of his shots, but he seemed like spry. So I was happy about that. So um, that's, that's something to note. Um, The more I watch Javon Carter, the more convinced I am the second the playoffs start getting for real, he is no longer going to be playing for the team because 
the shot selection. What what is, was it? Was it the second pull up in transition three <laughs> in whatever quarter that was with like three men around? Was, yeah, was it that just, one? <laughs> yes, it was the the sixth one of the day. Um, I can't imagine that Mike Budenholzer will allow that to happen at all in the playoffs, uh, barring an injury crisis where we literally have no other option. I do not think he will be long for the lineup. Um, so it's good that Joe Ingles is here because we're going to need somebody else besides the big three to bring the ball up the floor. Um, I just think the diminishing, ret- like Javon continues to be aggressive on defense, but I think what he does on offense is too much to like, it, it's just waste. It, sometimes he'll make them and that's great, but I don't think there's spot in the rotation for like guy who will literally just like choose to take a possession, like without totally outside of the team rhythm. That's not one of the big three and be like, okay, this is my shot chance. I just don't think there's a place for that. So um, it's just more evidence of that today that I do not think Javon will be long for the lineup. Um, Wait, real quick, real quick. Yeah. You have to make a deal. Giannis agrees, I won't shoot any threes in the playoffs, but all of the threes I would have shot, Javon Carter will now get to shoot in my stead. Man, I might take that deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, get back to me next week. That's a quiz. That's That'll be the quiz for next week. It's like okay. a math problem. Um, obviously, both outcomes are not bad. Javon's a decent three-point shooter, so maybe that'd be okay, but... It he really it's the timing of the yes, attempts. Right. Total momentum killer. Every single either one way or the other. Either we're building momentum <laughs> or we're trying to build it, and he'll just it just kills the momentum completely. Um, so at least Giannis is Giannis, so he's just being out there will have momentum. So I don't know which way. I'd probably say no to that, I guess. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. It was an awesome win. I feel like the Bucks the the days of the Bulls collapse and a couple of those other collapses feel like they are fading into the twilight with this 14-game winning streak that they're on now. It, it's much easier to forget about those. Because that, that really was like the early season storyline. It's like, well, why are the Bucks blowing all these things? I, I had honestly forgotten about the Toronto one until just now when I thought about it again. But, I mean, it was just... It, it was really nice to see the late game execution. Uh, the I mean, the Suns are really good. I, you know, Devin Booker, 24 points on 21 shots. You'll take that at any time. But his degree of difficulty on his shots is, like, ridiculous. How, how he was making some of those, including that one to tie it up at 100. Uh, that was a that was a ridiculous shot. And I'm, I'm just glad the Bucks were able to answer. Again, finals flashback. It was just garbage jumpers the entire time. Like, <laughs> I typed in the group chat. I was like, look at how stupid this is. And then he makes it. I was like, damn. Like, but it, they are the dumbest shots of all time. And I, as much as I can appreciate what Kevin Durant, a true hooper, brings to the court, it's just another guy who's going to be taking a lot of garbage jumpers. Now, his garbage jumpers are of a different quality to everybody else's in the league. But... um I think if we face them in the playoffs, we'd probably eat them alive, to be perfectly honest. Especially some of the big lineups that they run out there. The the one thing, so obviously 14 games straight for the team. Good. We're seeing Jay Crowder. Good. We have like, to me, it feels like probably the deepest, one of the deepest, like one to 10 groups we've had in the past couple, like in the Budenholzer era. Now I'd have to go back and look, but <clears throat> so... I think 
I'm becoming increasingly confident outside of the fact that we just won 14 straight because the competition sometimes has been a little iffy. We look finally like the team that everybody touted us to be heading into the season. Like the Celtics in the East are pretty much the only team that I still wonder how that matchup is going to go. But I, I could go through every other team in the Eastern conference and say, we'd probably cream them. And there's going to be a lot of teams in the West too, where it's like, if you don't have somebody to stop Giannis, we have enough elsewhere that the floor for the team has raised high enough that Giannis's presence simply will be able to get us over the top against most competition. And today, sans Giannis, I think the rest of the team being able to stay afloat without him kind of helped build that up. So I, I, a lot of confidence building about where not peaking, but we're starting to hit the stride of where the team could go or where, like what it could be at its high end, uh, which... Is, turns out to be a pretty good team. Thank God, because it looked it looked a little rough patchy there for a while. So I'm happy. I'm happy that they're playing. Obviously, a lot better. Yeah, me too. And I mean, they it should be it should be the deepest team, right? It, it, it's expensive. We're, are we top five expensive mm-hmm. team in the league, right? Like, so it it should be a team that's of this quality. It's not always guaranteed, right? Look at the Warriors; they're clearly struggling and they're expensive as all hell. But you're totally right. Bucks are hitting. They seem to be hitting their stride. They don't really have Chris Middleton, like as doing Chris Middleton stuff necessarily. I know in the backup role, he's, uh, you know, has a high usage and is doing all this stuff. It's kind of like, you know, all these minutes where Drew or Giannis maybe don't have to be the primary people, but you're going to have him, you would hope in a playoff run. I mean, he was an Ironman. He was playing like 40 plus minutes each night. So you hope you would get to that level and hopefully that improves. And the the Phoenix game, this is, this is a perfect example. No Giannis tonight, but if you look at the rim numbers on cleaning the glass, the Bucks are 14 of 17 still at the rim, and Phoenix is 9 of 18. And just like in the playoffs, Phoenix takes, uh, here we go, 55% of their shots from mid-range, which is like 100th percentile for them, and 24% of shot, their shots from three. So Bucks took a ton of shots from three. They're going to win the math game. They didn't do great rebounding today, but I trust that that will get better. And the Bucks didn't shoot well from three. They shot under 30%. They were still able to pull out the win. And if they can, if they can penetrate and destroy Phoenix on the, excuse me, at the rim that well without Giannis, like Katie's a decent defender, but he's not enough to be able to stop the the team at the rim. And that, that was like, ultimately I thought they're, they're failing in the finals when they wound up losing. So, you know, shout out one more time to Jerome Brooke. Brooke, because you're old as hell, but continue to play way above what anybody yeah. could have ever have guessed. I mean, it, it's very easy to overlook, but some of the interior possessions, which again, feels like we're going to that more reliably or like we're drawing things up. It's not Brooke going from the perimeter to like, you know, whirl around to get to the paint and then take a shot. Like we're running things to get him looks mm-hmm. and he's executing them now, which I think is a great thing to have in the tool bag. And then Drew late, uh, he just has Devin Booker's number. Like he absolutely does. It's it, again, you drive him to the left, push him to the left, uh, and just kind of contain him. And Drew had it, no problem. And also offensively, he was great as well with the like you said, the thirty-three points. So uh, shout out to those two guys one more time. Yeah, awesome win. All right, the Heat game last Friday. Giannis left with a right quad contusion. We found that out later. He left after six minutes. It was a surprise he was even playing at all because of the in, the the wrist injury. Uh, I, I don't have much to say about the injuries. Like they're bad luck. I think they're the thing about the team that we have the least information about. So I, I, I honestly don't even think I can have any sort of informed conversation about them. Yeah. But any I was, thoughts I was, from you? 
I was going to say the body double they had on the sideline for the Suns game today it looked really convincingly <laughs> like Giannis. So it, I'm, I think we might have found the legendary six Antetokounmpo brother. So um, I expect to find out Giannis died uh, soon. So uh, Okay. So anyway, that's why we're not going to touch on these. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I did think this one, if we, we were talking about how the, the, the clown car offense, this one I thought was... Uh, I don't know, maybe like a a Prius offense or something, you know, something like a little more stable. Because I, I did think the ball was zinging around. The thing that stood out to me most about this game was, and maybe the Heat were like, yeah, I don't know, we're not ready off the All Star break. The Heat looked slow, and they are the slowest team in the like one of the slowest teams in the league. But I thought the Bucks just completely obliterated them at every opportunity, like getting up the floor, getting into their set really quickly pinging the ball around. They uh, destroy them from three. I mean, they make 19 of 46, 41% versus nine of 40 for the heat, which makes that, you know, the offense look all that much better when they're hitting the shots from outside. But that was what stood out to me is I thought the ball was moving around really well. Um, And obviously Bobby Portis is his first game back. He did a lot of like sort of ISO stuff, but I thought the ball was pinging around the court really well and players were paying it off. Mm -hmm. They very like, the three looks that they got, like I said, some of them were just in transition, but a lot of them were like relatively simple to get. Now that might just simply because Kevin Love is done and they, you know, he started the game, not great for him. And then once you start going to the bench for the, like Cody Zeller, it's time to come home, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a lot of folks there, you just wonder what, um, what Miami is going to be able to throw out there. But I was impressed with like, you look at all the guys who made threes. This is, we have, there's two versions of the Bucks. One, two guys make threes for the team. The other option is literally everybody makes threes. Um, in this case, besides Joe Ingles. Um, and Marjan took one as well. But uh, a lot of the looks, like I said, within the flow of the offense. Um, and a lot of them pretty open. Like, I'm trying to think back on a couple of the possessions. There was a couple of like the Chris ones. He would kind of wait out on the wing and do his usual like tricks and then try and get up and over, which is fine. But like AJ green, quick trigger, Jay Crowder, like wide open looks um, drew again, like transition. He always has his feel for like the step back and stuff like that. So um, yeah, Miami was significantly slower. And then as sort of with the Suns, uh, just a lot of like Brooke did well. Um, we did had the right reads like, Jimmy Butler had is like a dangerous guy because he kind of gets free and then he kind of creates around him and he went eight of 10, I believe, but um, that didn't, he wasn't able to get the, uh, everybody else going all that much. Uh, Bam struggled to kind of get up and over Brooke again, even though some of the shot attempts, he's one guy that I worry about what would be the struggle there. It was fine this game. So uh, yeah, when <laughs> after the first quarter, it kind of just became a boat race. I think the heat got it down to maybe 16 at some point, but otherwise it just stayed at 20 plus the entire way. Uh, and we got the minutes, the garbage dunk. So uh, that's all you need to know about the heat game. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you bet Cody Zeller to hit double digit scoring in that game, I, w- I would have been really impressed. God, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe Here, that. Here's the part where, you can't see it. It's an it's an audio format, but where you have you got a gambling problem. That's where it comes up on the, <laughs> in this podcast. We're going to insert that here or do the read. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the I, well, and thank goodness Gabe Vincent finally sucked. I mean his 
I wrote the preview. It was awful. He's he scored twenty eight and twenty seven points this year against the Bucks, which were his are his season highs. His next highest scoring output was twenty one. So he's just gone nuclear against the Bucks twice this season and only had two points of this one, one of six, which was great. Brooke, I mean, seventeen points plus twenty. You know, seven of twelve from the field and only one of two from three. Like. Well, again, him being with, with Giannis out, like him being able to work inside and being able to take advantage of a Heat team that is really small outside of Cody Zeller. I mean, and Cody Zeller is just someone they just picked up off the scrap even, and Bam is as big as really they go. So the, you know, Bucks were able to take advantage of that. Grayson looked good. I mean, he was making his threes. Obviously, Jay Crowder was making his debut. It was nice to see him be able to knock down some threes in front of the home crowd. So... I don't know. It was just like up and down, basically destruction of the Miami Heat by almost all of the Bucks players besides Javon Carter, who had a sneaky, one of the sneaky worst box scores of the season. Uh, yeah, if you if you thought from the field, if you thought the Suns game was a little shaky, go back and watch. You can go on NBA.com/stats and you can watch each shot attempt that he takes, and you'll just be like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> How did he get up seventeen shots? Well, don't you have to after like ten, you just stop? <laughs> he just keeps going. It should be like golf, right? Like if you if you hit the tenth stroke and you're not <laughs> shooting well enough, you have yeah. to stop. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I saw he had like sixteen in the fourth quarter, I was like, "Wow, I have." Not paid attention to him missing a bunch, but what, what was that game? I forget which game it was, like a couple weeks ago, where he maybe it was the Bulls game where he came in and just like hit everything in the fourth quarter to salt it away. So there you go. There's the makeup for that. Him just absolutely <laughs> sucking it. The, the the yin and the yang. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anything else about the Heat. It's nice to beat them. I feel like we never beat them this soundly all that much. There again, there's like two versions of the Bucks and the Heat. One we like lose by a gazillion. Or we lose, but it's by, or we win and it's by three points. And it's the stupidest game ever because six starters are sitting for the Heat, seven starters are sitting for the Heat, and then their two way guys are going off for 40. So that's kind of those are, those are the two options. I'm happy to get the rare uh, beatdown of the Heat. And yet again, I think if you go, so one of the great concerns with Boonholz is like, oh, could he get out coached by another coach? And I think this is the fourth time we played the Heat. I'm pretty sure. And I think we won the season series three and one. Uh, we lost the first one, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then we won three straight against them. And to a certain extent, Miami's roster is just inferior. They have interior roster build. But Spolstra is, you know, regarded as one of the best coaches in the NBA. And we continue to boat race them. So once, especially after the first one, we adjusted. So uh, pleased by that. Um, good good signs for Mike Boonholzer, who I think we'll talk about this as the playoffs get closer. Curious, the challenge of having 10 to 11 guys who he could somewhat rely on. Are we going to play all 11 guys in a, in a meaningful playoff game? Many people are wondering, so I'll be curious to watch that as we go along. But for now, in the regular season, it's totally fine to run as many guys as he does. So, Oh, that'll be interesting to see when he when he starts whittling it down, who he pulls the levers on. I. You know, the other thing, like the other thing about having all these players is that you don't, you have, you can go to at least like seven. We've been doing the eight man rotation, but like that do or die Bucks Nets game seven game was essentially just six players with five minutes of Bryn Forbes, right? So if you have Crowder and you feel trust in him, it's like, okay, we can at least have seven players that I trust out there that won't absolutely decimate the team. Like that, that, that counts for something. 
because yeah. six is crazy. We have the nucleus for a suicide squad. If it's like <laughs> if if Mike Boonholzer fires up his cell phone and first thing he sees is a tweet saying Mike Boonholzer is going to get shit canned tomorrow if the Bucks are, <laughs> if the Bucks lose tonight, and then Mike Boonholzer is to turn and look at his suicide squad, he has one. <laughs> so so that's I think that's that's excellent team building by John Horst. <laughs> if uh, if that was the goal, I I totally agree. Um, a testament the fact that you could go eleven deep. Um, and you could whittle away a couple of guys and be like, okay, we know our core, especially the core four. Mm -hmm. And now you can pick and choose the next three and feel pretty good about it. That's (laughs) again, compared to last year or even (laughs) a month ago, (laughs) feeling pretty good. So, uh, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's super small given the, what, like you said, what we sent out for Jay Crowder again, you watch it. You're like, okay, I get why. John Horse was in on this guy last year, like mm-hmm. months and months ago. Um, so I'm glad it came to fruition because it looks like it's going to work out for us. And and speaking of one part of that, it looked like Jordan War had a good game for the Pacers. <laughs> any any uh, any thoughts on uh, Jordan War talking about finally being able to showcase his abilities? It's it's awesome. I'm happy for him. <laughs> um, I have to assume the Pacers are going in the tank now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, everybody knows to some level that um, Jordan could score. It's just the question was, can he defend? And he cannot. So it on this is why for a lot of these guys, especially end of the bench guys, this is going to be the same for Mamo at some point. You're like, go to whoever the Kings are now because it's not the Kings. But usually be like, okay, when you get to Sacramento, you're going to look like a god because you're going to win 10 <laughs> games. And that's fine. So, uh, you know, just a typical guy who can score a whole bunch. I obviously hold no malice to the guy whatsoever. Go get that money. Go get paid. Go score. Um, But for sure, spending too much time with Sandra talking about how they're disrespected or undervalued. Because trust me, trust me, my man, we we know the value. We understand. We can watch it at home. We also have eyes. So, Okay. I don't want to spill much more time on Jordan War, but I just had to look this up. Okay. So he had six assists in this game. Oh, how many do you think he had his rookie season? He Total? played 30. Yeah. Yeah. He played 30 games his rookie season. I bet he had. 270 an, minutes. I would say an assist a game. So I'm going to say 30 total assists. He had seven. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why Jordan can't talk about how, how he's being restricted. I believed more in him than he would gave what he gave me <laughs> to work off of. I don't hold any malice either. I just hated watching him play basketball. Yeah, um, it was it had those, and in those two terms, said you're like, oh, maybe he'll turn into something, and they just never did. That's how it yeah. goes. That's how it's it goes. also it's, it's also right. a testament to him that he almost uh, that he got up the third most shots in that game for the Pacers. Good credit to him. Twenty one minutes. He have 18, 18 points or something. Eighteen points, six assists, eight rebounds. Okay. So wow. Well, okay, that's great. All right, move. All right, anyway, okay, all right, okay. All Star Weekend. Uh, you didn't tune in, uh, as I as we found out that it basically was Giannis wristwatch. I would say all weekend for Bucks fans, and you know, wound up being like kind of weird that he wound up playing on last Friday, but he he was coaching during the celebrity game, helping coach. That was that was good. Yep, some good clips out of that, of course. Yep, that was good. He was rooting on the dunk contest with uh, I believe his with his son 
in his arms at various points, which was also good. So he's, yeah. he's courtside for that. And uh, he also did the draft and drafted an interesting collection of players, chose Dame first over Drew Holiday, which was interesting. And like, and then uh, also, he also picked John Morant at a time that he couldn't pick him. He was just picking um, the backups and then he picked... Uh, did they, everyone had to be like, "What's this guy doing?" <laughs> Wait, so, did they honor? Did they honor the pick still? Even though no, he they were like, like "No, okay, you can only right. pick backups right now." You had to. He had to pick from the reserves, and it was like his fourth pick. He's like, "I'm going to pick one of the greatest young yeah. superstars in the league, John Moran, Jordan Wara." <laughs> is he still in the uh, Rising Stars game? Even yeah, in yeah. his third year, he just wants to get some minutes up. Uh, God. So I don't know. It was, and then he wound up playing like two minutes and I didn't watch any of the all-star game. I I didn't really watch much of the festivities, but I don't know. It's, it's like, it's cool because Giannis is awesome and always authentically awesome. And it's cool to have him like be on that stage and have everyone be like, Oh yeah, this guy is, this guy, this guy is great. And if you, there's not that much to really rag on about him. Like if I don't know what your soul has to be, if you dislike Giannis. It's a shame that he couldn't go because in the past when he's played in the All-Star game, because it is a dunk fest, it's like, well, that's literally all Giannis can do. So this is the perfect place for it. Um, And he is like one of the guys who will go hard. He'll like block, swat Chris, swat Chris, uh, Chris's shot. If na- <laughs> um, also, the other storyline, we have to, you know, I'm enterprising people on Twitter, you know. Is the fact that Giannis picked Chris first but didn't pick Drew first? Is that signal discord within the locker room? I'm gonna let the real reporters get into that. Oh um, <laughs> no, Giannis is obviously an extremely charming guy. Uh, he's a lot of fun, um, and I know like when KD was the captain, the draft was funny with him too. But having Giannis at the forefront of all this, like he, unlike a lot of guys, he seems to really enjoy it because he's so pure that he's like, this is awesome that I get to be in Salt Lake City in February, just like hanging out with my buds. So I appreciate that. Um, the one the one thing I'm concerned about, because he didn't check with Richard Jefferson to see if he was mic'd up, we have to pray to God Mark Davis doesn't oh, yeah. does not ref any of our games. Because if so, here's again, do you have a gambling problem? If Mark Davis refs any of our finals games, bet against the Bucks no matter what you do. <laughs> no matter what we could the other team could be missing all five of their starters bet, bet against the Bucks. That's that's the only thing I will say. But otherwise uh, I I I have nothing against All Star Weekend. I just didn't feel all that compelled to watch it is all. So and especially knowing that he wasn't gonna play in the or play all that much in the All Star game. So Yeah, I might have watched some of the All Star game if he was gonna play, but I don't know. It it didn't sound like it was all that good and I, it didn't sound like I missed too much. So no. um, but Good on Giannis. It was cool for. I'm glad Drew was able to go and he was able to fill in for the skills challenge, which was really, really yeah, we, bad. We we didn't really talk about that. It was how surprised were you that Drew got the nod? Um, like got the uh, injury replacement nod. Um, or was it an injury replacement, or was he actually just like a legit? No, he was, he was picked he was by lit. the coaches. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess I wasn't all that surprised because. I think he has like sort of like the built in he, he's better than Mike Conley, but you know how there were like a few years ago, it was like Mike Conley's the greatest guy who's never been picked to the all-star team. Mm-hmm. So he has yeah. that built in goodwill and then injuries just made it so he could score a ton of points in a couple games. And then, you know, if you actually look, 
you know, sneakily when Giannis came back, he kind of stunk for a few games. So I was, I was a little afraid he might not make it in, but, um, you know, I guess I wasn't all that surprised and I, I, I'm glad he made it in, but it wasn't like a shock to me. Cause I, th- I think he has a lot of goodwill already and mm-hmm. the coaches, you know, they, they always talk about how much they value all the things he do. So the things he does. So I guess, I mean, pick him for God's sake after 10 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a testament to how much everybody hates Trey young that uh, yeah. he had to wait for the old injury replacement. So that's cool. And also this brings the Brandon Jennings all-star, Drew getting it over Brandon, now the Mm. buck, like it brings it full circle. I think it's really beautiful. So I was happy for him. Okay. I had a few just general questions for you. Um, Any thoughts? Not too many. And I know he said we weren't going to talk about injuries much, but any thoughts on Chris still not starting? Do you care? Um, I don't particularly. I'd like if he he started to, because that would seem to (laughs) indicate he's capable of doing so. Um, but like I said, he seems physically fine. Um, after the first couple, so we had the first return. He definitely looked still like super rusty. Now we're having the second return looks better overall. Um, he, I guess he's just having trouble like elevating based on the workload, uh, like pushing it for a longer period of time. I, if, if he's still not starting in like, a week or two, then he'll be like, okay, what's going on here? Like, again, is there something wrong again that we have to be concerned about? Um, especially because, and now maybe it'll be a little different with Jay, but like if Bobby continues to get the nod, Bobby is much more suited to come off the bench. Just like in those lineups, like that's when he's going to be most effective when you have like just need the offensive creation. So having to continue to put Bobby out there, I think hurts the team. Um, but right now I'm not like, super concerned or anything because he looks mostly physically fine how about you are you are you concerned about it are you confused um i think i'm a little confused not really i wouldn't say yes i think confused is a better word than concerned because once again like going back to the injury thing i i don't really know none of us really know like he was held out before the all-star game you can do read into Mike Boonehoser's comments as much as you want or as little as you want. Uh, it, it's really hard to discern what necessarily is happening. I mean, from everything, from what he said, which I think was in Eric Nave's article, he said it's hard for him to get ramped up this season because normally he spends like the whole summer apparently doing whatever he needs to do to have his knee ready to be able to play the full year. Um, so... I don't necessarily, so apparently maybe they're trying to do like what he would normally do in the summer and slowly like gradually building him up so that his knee is totally fine and good to go full bore by the playoffs, which is really all that matters. That's like my, probably my generous read of it. My, you know, concerned read is that, uh, I don't know, the guy maybe just has like a lot of wear and tear on his body because for a few years he was playing like the most minutes in the league under Jason Kidd and he has played many many minutes since then and it's an issue for him um but I think that's probably way more an alarmist take and not really realistic at all I think it's probably just regular ramp up and they're being overly cautious like they are with almost every other injury 
Um, two follow-on questions. Does his normal warm-up include turning the ball over four or five times a game? Oh, my and God, dude. Some that... of the passes today, I swear <laughs> to God. It's just like, why are you throwing it into three men for, like, Jay Crowder to try to get it or whatever on a no. roll? It's like... I like to imagine that is part of it. He's like, he's like superstitious. Like I get it out of my system in the summer. So (laughs) he just throws it to the other team while practicing. I also liked in Eric's article, essentially, um, essentially boiled down to like Chris being like, Oh yeah, my knee is in absolute agony for like a couple of months as I warm up, but then I'm good. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. I'm glad. This is why this is why the like radio silence from the team about injuries is so funny because we'll again it'll just on a random Tuesday Eric's article will go up and be like this person is dealing with horrific knee pain and has been since he was like twenty years old yeah you're like awesome (laughs) it's good to know now I guess Um, I'm sure it's just a ramping up thing is the way I will continue to look at it so uh, yeah. Come back to me in like a week or two. If he's still not starting, I'll be like, okay, now we're in weirdo territory. Um, for now, I'll continue to say they're slow rolling him. So, yeah, for sure. And I mean, already the season he was he went through all these injuries, sounded awful. His father died. Like this is this has got to be like one of the most trying seasons, probably the most trying season of his career. So, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cut the guy a break and wake me when the playoffs come. And if he's not looking like Chris Middleton, yeah, then I'll be concerned. Um, okay. So the Bucks spent a 10 day contract on Myers Leonard because they had to make a, a contract move. I, I don't really, I don't think he's really going to be on the team that long, um, but he's on the team now. Any thoughts on the buyout market? Primarily, I think all of the people that wound up not coming to Milwaukee, I would say, because, or if you have some people that are left that you're interested in, I believe they have to sign someone by the end of February to be able to play in the playoffs. Like the only person that I can think of that's left off the top of my head is Will Barton. That seemed kind of interesting that I think we were talking about in the discord chat, but um, I don't know. We're, we're, I guess start with this one. Cause it's easier. Were you surprised at all that none of like the names, like the Reggie Jackson's or whoever else wound up coming to Milwaukee? No, because I think a lot of those guys of that tier, they still want like one more contract. And especially for our backup, to the backup guard. So my main concern here personally would have been ball handling guard, assuming that Javon Carter is going to get the, the yank, the yoink when uh, the playoffs come. So like a Pat Bev, Pat Patrick Beverly was like the guy was like, okay, that would be interesting. Those guys still want to try and earn another contract next year. This is a reason why like our greatest buyouts have been Marvin Williams and Pauk Sol. <laughs> Um, because those are guys who are literally on their last legs. Um, and so I'm, you know, I haven't looked at who's still available. I don't think there's a lot of those guys out there, especially if you're looking for a guard in particular, which is what I would be looking for. Um, and I don't know if Will Barton, is he like a guard, like wing guard wingy sort of? Yeah, kind of. He might be like a little redundant at this point. It doesn't hurt to have him if he wants to come, but I think he would also fall into the category of guy who wants to like find a role where he'll probably earn a contract. So I'm not surprised at all that those guys didn't come because the myth of the ring chaser that applies exclusively to guys who want one final shot at potentially getting a ring uh, because they're about to hang it up. And um, there weren't that many of them available apparently or on the market, uh, which is fine because to be frank, uh, 
as we've talked about, podcast legend Marvin Williams retired halfway through game six <laughs> and Pau Gasol was absolutely useless. So um, that's okay. Uh, so not surprised, nor all that like beat up about it necessarily. Yeah, I, I think I'm totally fine if they wind up converting either Mamu or I'm going to, it's, there's a lot of crow in my mouth as I say it, but AJ Green to the, <laughs> to the regular contract. I mean, I, I will, I, I was, I was pondering this. Do you think AJ Green in your estimation is the most improved player from where you saw him at the start of the season on this Bucks team? Frankly, yes. Based <laughs> off of <laughs> based off of what we saw in Summer League to he actually now we saw the shooting in Summer League, but what I really appreciate about him is he dialed back doing anything other than that. And he is horrible on defense. He can't really defend at all, which is totally fine because he's undersized and has short arms. Um, but I would say of all the guys that I'm looking at right now, yes, probably the most improved. Okay. Well, good on AJ Green. I'm proud of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Um, I think, so like Myers Leonard makes sense. Big guy, uh, obviously been out of the league for <laughs> other reasons. Um, so I understand like, okay, now we're going to try and troll through some guys to see if somebody sticks. Big man who can back up, Brooke, so that Brooke, I mean, Brooke still played 35 minutes against the Suns, so it's not like that slowed that down at all. But um, I think it's perfectly fine to like, let's move to younger guys. Um, if it is converting Mamu or AJ, that's fine. Um, but use the 10 days for now on like just younger guys. Because I think the odds of us finding a buyout guy who's going to then find the claim into the suicide squad or even like the top 10, <laughs> probably pretty low, all things considered. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Anything else on the team? Um, no. Giannis, get get well. I'm sure he'll probably be back literally this week. So I'm, the the thing about Giannis is the wrist thing. Like you said, wrist watch. The um, tweet came out like he's going to New York. <laughs> I slept like a baby. I was like, he'll play. He's he'll be fine. <laughs> he's he literally he his knee almost exploded in ninety eight different directions, and he was back a week later, like leaping over defenders in the finals. So yeah. uh, I'm really not concerned whatsoever. So uh, I'm just happy everybody else is healthy for the most part. Chris, uh, depending. So yeah, fourteen wins. This team is awesome to watch right now. It's been it's been really really fun. So all right, we're gonna take you know what? No, we're not gonna take a break, but we're just gonna go right into the miscellaneous topics. Um, Riley, fountain pen review. Yeah, we have a week uh, ink this week, and actually, I'm writing a quick sample of it so that Adam can see. Even though it really doesn't show all that well on my crappy laptop camera, so this week I have Robert Oster's Australian Opal Gray. Um, I had been using the same black ink for a while, and this past week I just felt inspired. I was like, I still have maybe 15 other inks that. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Oster sent me that I haven't tried yet. So let's try this gray. And the reason I was nervous was because on the top of the bottle, it looks really light, like a very light gray. So like think of a pencil where the lead is really hard and you have to like, you're like jabbing it into the paper to get it to stick at all. That's kind of the lightness. Um, and we'll see if you're able to see it at all. Probably not. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to be able to see all that good because it's an obviously a horrible camera, but it's a good gray. It's like a solid lead gray, which I appreciate because I was getting a little sick and tired of the black. 
but I still wanted something that was going to be super consistent. And this does that. And it works super well with my um, Lamy pen because it goes down thicker. So uh, you get like dark to start and it gets lighter as you go along. So it's got like a lot of different properties going on. Um, and again, I was nervous about what does gray ink look like? I know like black ink, blue ink, red ink, like gray ink, like <laughs> what does it kind of look like? Um, it's solid. So I'm, I'm pleased with this one. Yet another Robert Oster winner. I don't think I've had a, a loser yet. I've maybe had like a purple or something, or is I guess just not a color that I would use to write in, but nothing against it at all. Um, for this plain Jane gray, lovely. So yet another winner, Mr. Oster, if you're listening, um, thanks for all the samples. I appreciate it. Well, I, I thought it was quite visible for a gray okay. as well. Yeah. I thought, I thought that, I thought that looked really nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, and I'm sure if I was to go on to his site, he probably has five or six. Cause this is how with all these ink makers, you like, here's my color. Here's it really saturated. Here's it's really desaturated, light, dark, shimmer, like whatever you want. Um, this is probably, I would guess, bang average in the middle. Um, but again, it comes down a lot darker than you would have guessed. So uh, I don't like using pencils because they hurt my hand to write, but I like like the gray of the lead. So this is kind of a good solution in between. So I'm happy with it. All right. Last section. Let's do our predictions. We've got four games this week. I'm including next Sunday's game at the Wizards, which got moved. So Tuesday at Brooklyn, Wednesday at home against Orlando, Saturday at home against Philly. That'll be a fun one. And then Sunday at Washington. So that's the second game of a back-to-back. What say you for your record, Riley? I think we're going to stay perfect. Uh, I think we're going to be 18-0 at the end of the week. Brooklyn, like we discussed on last week's podcast, classic, oh, they're frisky. Maybe they'll do something, and then they won't. Orlando is in the tank. I have to believe we'll be able to beat the Sixers, and somebody will probably sit, so it'll be um, kind of a fizzle anyhow, and the Wizards are bad. So I think perfect this week. Yeah, I'm going to go perfect too. I'm going to keep the positive vibes going. I like I like going saying we're going to be perfect. I'm going to be at the Wizards game on Sunday, so hopefully they don't lose that game. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see how – much of a malaise the the crowd might be in there i i obviously have never been to a game there so i'm I'm curious what the temperature on that team is this year this is this is going to be like vintage era bradley center where you can buy the nosebleeds but by halftime you will be courtside you'll be able to just literally (laughs) walk down to the court (laughs) i'm uh i'm looking forward to it okay so we're each going four and oh that's it for this week's episode. Go to the site for all our usual stuff. Riley's Monday morning media roundup. I'm back with the weekly Wednesday wrap up. I needed a break from that. Uh, Riley's back, or excuse me, Vans will be back with his grades and uh, all of our usual coverage. The podcast is staying on this feed for now. There will eventually be uh, some sort of slight change. The details are still being worked out, but we're going to make it as seamless as possible for you. Hopefully it won't really require almost anything on your end. But when we have final details on that, if you're still listening, we'll post it on the site and let you know. So, as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.